It's back to school time, or is it? Coronavirus has the start of this school year up in the air. As COVID-19 cases rise in most of the country, administrators, teachers, parents, and kids are being forced to make some tough decisions. Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Shaw, host of Positively Dad. I'm excited that you're listening today. My wife Terry and I are the proud parents of an eight-year-old, soon-to-be third grader named Naomi, and I started Positively Dad to be a resource to you. You know, most support out there for parents is designed for mom. We're here to be support for you. Today we're talking about going back to school. There's a lot to talk about. Parents are concerned, nervous, want the kids out of the house, want them to stay in the house. There's so many things to think about, and it's become a big issue. In fact, the Trump administration wants schools open. They've even threatened to hold funding for schools that remain closed. The American Academy of Pediatrics says kids should be back in school because, they say, in-school learning is better than virtual, mostly for their emotional development. Then you've got the National Superintendents Roundtable, a nonprofit group made up of school superintendents. And they've got some major concerns about opening schools, community spread of the virus, the safety of their staff and their teachers, and, and more. It's a challenging time. And my goal on the podcast today is to help you. We're going to kick off what we intend to be a few episodes of returning to school. Today we're talking with Dr. William Hazeltine. He's a former Harvard Medical School professor and currently the president of Access Health International, and he's just written a book called A Family Guide to COVID. And Dr. Hazeltine says students should not return to the classroom right now, and we'll talk about why he believes that. And we'll also talk about things parents should consider if their children are going back to school. Let me be clear. I'm not here to push an agenda. This is a deeply personal decision, and my goal is to have conversations that help you make the right choice for you and your family. And so today we'll talk to Dr. Hazeltine. My intention is to have, you know, another expert who says it's okay to send our kids back and give us the reasons why and talk about that. And, and we're working on those guests right now. And yet we're going to jump in and kick this conversation off. And I'm, I'm real excited to do so. I think you'll learn some things. Dr. Hazeltine, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Well, you got it. And we're happy to have you. And you've done a lot and you've been out a lot and talking a lot to really help families kind of through this time. In fact, you have a book on it. Tell everybody a little bit about you and your book, and then we'll get into our conversation. Well, uh, I'm a grandfather. And I have three fantastic uh, young grandsons. And uh, they've asked me a lot of questions. Their parents asked me a lot of questions. And uh, actually, I uh, am known by a lot of my friends as Willipedia. My name is Bill, William. And they call me Willipedia because I'm always ready to uh, give an answer. And so they said, listen, you're, we're asking you so many questions. Why don't you write something about this? And so I wrote a book called a, guide to, a Family Guide to COVID, Question and Answers for Parents, Grandparents, uh, and, uh, and Children. Another thing that impelled me to write this is this epidemic, COVID, reminded me of when I was a kid. Uh, and during those early days in the 50s, it's a long time ago now, um, there was polio. You know, people forget about it. You get a polio shot and you forget about it. Well, when I was a kid, polio was like COVID. And what I remember is how worried and upset I was. Not because I knew what was going on, because I knew my parents were upset. They were very worried. And they would tell me things like, 
you know, I grew up in a desert. So they said, you know, if you go lizard hunting, which is what we did, uh, you always go to three, but no more than three. If you get bit by a snake, then somebody stays with you and somebody goes for help. And that's it. You cannot have more than three people. And I had a whole group of friends, a little pack of friends, like eight or nine friends. Couldn't do it. You can't go to the swimming pool. Why? Because the water might be contaminated with something that you don't... Turning off the phone here. The uh, water might be contaminated with something that uh, get you sick. You can't go to the theater because there's too many people in there. Can't go see your favorite uh, matinees like Eugene Autry or uh, Hopalong Cassidy or things like that. And I remember that fear. And I decided that I would write something about it uh, to help people and to help parents. And so that's what I did. That's what it is. Well, thanks for doing it. It's a really great resource and it's an ebook. So if someone can buy it, download it to their Kindle or whatever. And then as you do updates, you're providing those to them so that, because this is rapidly changing. This is something that we get new information and learn things every day. So thanks for doing that. Um, I, I call it a, um, but yeah, thank you for that. I call it a living book. It's a new kind of book. Hopefully there'll be many books like this. Uh, that live on the, you know, and our world changes, all aspects of our world changes, but nothing is changing as fast as COVID. And so we've added new questions. The, the new edition has just been finalized and it's only less than a month from the first edition. There are whole new sections. There's a section on how to enjoy the summer, uh, you know, how to do it safely. Um, and we're going to continue to update it. Well, thank you for doing that. So the conversation that a lot of our dads are having right now is what do you do about school? And this has been, a, obviously, it's an important topic. It's, it's one that's become a political conversation as well. And, and, you know, the parents I talk to go, I just want to make the right decision. I want to make sure that my kid is safe and that they're learning. And I have some who say we want them out of the house because we're tired of them being at home. And, and yet we want them to be safe as well. So that's, kind of what I wanted to talk with you about today is, is that, and that's what you, you do. You're, you're looking at risk, right? When you go through and look at this, you're talking about risk. What's your just initial thought on, should we be sending our kids back into school buildings right now? Uh, the answer to that, it depends where you are. And that gets into the uh, conversation about risk. Um, the fact that this is a political issue is ridiculous. This is an issue that cuts across Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Communists. I don't care what you are. You care about your children. Every parent cares about their children. And that's the paramount issue. And if it's not your children, you care about yourself because your kids bring things back. Or you care about your parents. Even when you have, you're grown, you're very often taking care of your parents. And you care about your friends, everybody around you. So this is about caring and understanding. And you have to estimate risk. What is your risk likely to be? Well, the first thing to do when you, you should set up a little chart uh, that helps yourself. First is, where do I live and what is the number of people getting infected this week in my zip code? In most places in the country, you can find that. What is it in my county? What is it in my municipality? What is it in my state? The more people getting infected, the more dangerous it is for you. That's number one. Zero is the best number. One or two is probably okay. Anything higher than that, you have to multiply by 10 because everybody's infected for 10 or even 20 days. 
you have to figure out that there's that many people walking around. 10 people are infected in your zip code. There's 100 people at least walking around and maybe 200. You don't know. And you don't know who they are and they don't know who they are. That is the first and foremost thing. Second thing you have to say is how much at risk is my child? Does my child have asthma? Is my child overweight? Does my child have some immune uh, issues? Uh, are there other health issues that this my child might, might have or even behavioral issues that they might have? How about me? What, what is my risk? I'm a dad. Do I have a heart condition? Do I have any of these pre-existing conditions? And am I, am I overweight? Is my body mass index over 30? Uh, those are important questions for you and everybody you live with and you're close to. Then there are other questions. Suppose you get positive answers to most of those questions and you say, okay, it's okay. There's very low infection rate. Uh, uh, there's very low risk for my kid that nothing that I really know about are people in my family. What is the school doing? What are they telling me? How are they gonna protect themselves, the teachers? And how are they gonna protect my kid? Uh, do they take the temperature? Do they uh, have distancing? Are they all wearing masks? What are they gonna do for recess? And there's a really important thing that most people don't talk about. School isn't just school. School is K through six and six through 12. And those are very different groups of people. The smaller the child, the less you're gonna be able to control that child. You're not gonna be able to keep him in a mask all the time. Now, one thing that my grandchildren do is they use face shields. I really recommend face shields, especially for young kids. They have Paw Patrol face shields. They have Star Wars face shields. They have Hello Kitty face shields. They have all sorts of you know, face shields. That, uh, my, by the way, my grandsons don't have Hello Kitty. Okay, but they exist. Um, so uh, they, uh, those are the kinds of questions. What are they doing for the younger kids? What are they doing for the, the kids who are like a, a little bit older, like uh, eight, nine, 10? I remember eight and nine, I could think just like an adult. I remember thinking to myself when I was nine, you know, they don't think you can think. You can think as well as they can think. You can even outsmart them on sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Just remember when you're older that a nine-year-old can think. Okay? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty smart too. I have an eight-year-old, she's pretty smart. Okay, well, they, they, they know a lot and they can yeah. figure out what you're doing. Right. Okay. Well, she, she's sure. very aware, obviously, of what's going on and she's got her own concerns. And so that's why we're having this conversation. That's right. And then high school students are completely different. You know, I went through the whole AIDS epidemic. I was the key player in many aspects of that, social aspects. I helped work with Princess Diana to get her to hold the AIDS baby to help stigmatize it. I didn't just do the science. I worked with the government to get the money. But I can tell you, there, it was really important to know your partner. Here, it's very important to know the people you're with before they're your partner. And teenage kids want to get together. That's just natural. They want to kiss and they want to hug. That's natural. You have to know who you're doing it with. And that's part of the education process. And team sports. Team sports are not a good idea these days if there's any infection around at all. I mean, you want to wrestle? You want, you know, 
I remember playing football. Real football is like a three-hour wrestling match, right? That's what it really is. You're nose to nose with those guys. You're breathing hard. You're in the locker rooms. It is really tough. Maybe tennis. And even tennis, you got to watch whose ball you're grabbing, right? And what equipment you're using. So all of those things you have to think through. So what is your school doing? And then does your school have a backup plan? Okay, so let's. So those are high. It's a lot to think about. It is, and so I want to chunk some of it down, if you don't mind. So let's let's do that. So you you talk about where you live, and looking at infections, like you say, by zip code. Chances are your school's in your zip code. Um, In in our case, for example, it's not. So we'd have to look at a wider space than that. So look at your zip code, your county, your city, and so on, and and look at those cases. Well, you let me say, say one other thing about that. Mm-hmm. Look at where the janitors live. So we want to know. Where we want to know where the staff from the, where the from the school lives. is coming from. What is from. their risk? Because their risk is your risk. Sure. Right. Well, we're hanging out with other people and we're together, so we want to look at that. All right. That's fair. What? Uh, obviously, the number isn't going to be zero. Okay. So that right now we're not going to have zero infections and we're not going to have a zero positivity. So when you say, look at the number, what number should we be looking at? Are we looking at a number of infections? Are we looking at a positivity rate? What, what should we consider in that? Well, positivity is infection. So um, that's, you should be looking at very low numbers before you're fully confident to send your kid to school. And we'll talk about other things in just a minute. But um, I would say, if the number is anything in your, in your zip code above five, you should seriously think about not sending your kid to that school. A 5% positivity rate. No, five people. Five, five people. people. Okay. Not 5%, five people. 5% is huge. Yeah, and you're talking active cases. Uh, well, when you're diagnosed, okay, you have a PCR test. You've got the virus. And pretty soon there'll be something called an antigen test, which is cheaper and faster. You'll spit instead of doing a nasal mm-hmm. swab. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that means you're infected and you're spreading virus. I spent the morning reading papers about aerosol transmission, right? And there's a lot of really detailed information that we didn't have before. We used to think it was mostly droplets and touching things, right? Not anymore. Now we know that people put out aerosols. And there's very detailed studies of people in restaurants where their airflow went in a certain pattern and those people got infected and the people in the other side of the uh, restaurant didn't get infected. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we knew that from SARS. I'll tell you a story that's going to make people think. This is a virus like SARS, same thing. If SARS does it, this guy's going to do it too. The biggest epicenter for SARS started in one hotel complex, one sort of building complex. Somebody was in there who was infected. This is oral fecal. It goes out in the poo, goes into the sewer, and it's a live virus in the sewer. Sewer gas leaked up and infected a lot of people, and many people died. And those people then went all over the world and created a good chunk of the SARS infection. That's from sewer gas. Think of what it means that the virus can get wafted up on the gas sewer gas and get into you, into your lungs, that's aerosol. You want to be in a room with somebody who's breathing out? Then I was reading this other, these other papers where they count the number of particles that come out of various viruses with SARS, with influenza, with 
uh, measles and other and mumps and other viruses. You can actually count the particles that come out. Just normal breathing. Then how many come out when you cough? How long does it hang around? A long time. Mm -hmm. That's why whether you can get infected or not, if somebody's infected and they're in a closed space, the longer you're in there with them, the higher the chance you're getting infected. And that's why your kids can get infected in a school. Yep. Now, outside is infinitely better. It's like 20 times better than inside. But it's, yeah. it's a worry. So that leads to the next thing. So parents have to go and look at what's the number of cases and, and weigh that as they make this decision. Right. The next thing you asked is, you know, what, I, I want to jump down to what's the school doing? So because you talked about what's the health risk for you and your child? Does your child have any, or do you or your kids have any underlying health issues that you need to consider? And quite frankly, we've been talking about that for months. I think that's a, a lot of people are aware about that. So let's talk about what are, is the school doing and, and, and what are they doing to protect staff and students? And, and so let's talk about, we're in a building, you've got air circulating, a lot of our schools, maybe older buildings with older systems, who knows what. So you said, what are they doing to protect? And one thing you brought up, masks and temperature checks so i'm assuming right. and based on what i know about you and face you, shields and face, face shields. shields you want them in masks yes or a face shield or a yeah. face shield is there a difference between the two is one better than the other you know, as we I make that decision I, that's a good question i don't know the answer to that okay uh, well i believe that a face shield may be better than a mask because okay. it protects your eyes and most people don't realize it but you can get infected through things coming in your eyes right. a friend of mine was on a plane, he had a perfect N95 mask and he still got infected. He through the eyes, through okay, the eyes. all right. Uh, likely through the eyes. So, okay, so a mask and a face shield or one or the other, something like that. Um, so you would want your school to require that, I guess. That would be one Absolutely. of the things. Yeah, okay, yeah. same for teachers. You talked about- that teachers and all the staff. Right, uh, temperature checks. Why is that so important? I, I've, I've looked at that and I keep going, I feel like to me, it's kind of like, taken off your shoes when you go through TSA. It's just kind of pretend and we just do it. Is, can you find out real stuff from a temperature check? You can. If somebody, you know, I think that if you have a temperature, a kid has a temperature over 103, uh, the parents are not gonna send them to school anyway, but sometimes they do. And if they do, you can screen them out because that is kids get temperature. The other thing parents should watch for is diarrhea. Another real sign of this is diarrhea that most people don't think about. Uh, this is a virus that everybody thinks it's in your lungs or other organs. No, it's also in the gut. Um, and one thing we in, don't talk about at all, which Asian countries do a lot, is decontaminating feces. In fact, if you're in a house quarantine under a supervised quarantine in most Asian countries, you've got to disinfect your feces. Wow. You flush the toilet. Wow. And that makes sense. Yeah. You don't want to put this stuff right. into the, into yeah. the sewer. Wow. That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So mask, a temperature check, you know, are they distancing? We talked about challenges. There's going to be challenges. I have an eight year old. How do you tell an eight year old in third grade, make sure you're six feet away from everybody all the time as you're going everywhere. So it's what are some things problem. we need to think about when it comes to that? You know, I don't have the answer to that either. I wish I did, but I don't. Uh, and I don't think, and, and I'll tell you one of the things, there's a really big report that just came out from the, our National Academy. We have a National Academy of Sciences and of Medicine and uh, Engineering, our, our National Academies. It's a separate group 
to me, it's the most responsible group we have in the country. It reports to Congress. And they wrote a big, massive report on education. Just came out yesterday. And the thing that I think should upset most of us is that report says we don't know the answers. We need to find out more. But there, there's so many issues where you go through like how, e how easy it is for one kid to infect another. Well, we wish we knew, but we don't actually have the data. That's honest, mm -hmm. deep thinking. And it, it, when you look at the people who put that together, it's amazing. And they also say, hey, by the way, guys, we didn't have a lot of time to put this together. We know that this is the best we could do in the time we have. And there are more questions than answers in that. And by the way, that's what they say. The other thing they say, which is upsetting to any parent, is when we look at the regulations that everybody is looking at, they're not rules. They don't tell you what to do. They ask you questions. Are you wearing masks? Are you distancing? They don't give you guidelines that anybody can follow. Mm -hmm. They're giving this suggestions, is, not, not mandates suggestions. or rules. Yeah. And it's, not, they don't, it's, not, it's not even quite a suggestion. It's a question. Mm -hmm. Okay, are you, are you wearing masks? Are you going to ask? So if the most prestigious group, I think, in the world gets together and can't answer the questions, how can you or I answer those questions? Yeah. How can any parent answer the question? Well, it's a, fair th it's a fair statement. And I think, you know, they say, we just don't know. Well, they're about to find out, right? So we're going to get the data because the schools are going to open and there are going to be students in schools and we're going to see what happens. So that's, that's... Well, we already have some data. Yeah. And we know what happens. Yeah. You know, this, this gets another issue that, I, that personally bothers me. When I hear people say, kids aren't infectable, that's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. This is a cold virus. It behaves just like a cold virus. And every parent knows how you get colds. You send your kid to school and they come back with a cold and they give it to you. Well, it may be that they're half as infectious as an adult, but they see about four or five times as many people as adults do on a daily basis. And they surely get colds. The other thing, they say, is, oh, the kid will just come down with a fever. Well, the grandson of a friend of mine got the bad effects of this virus. He barely lived. He had a slight cold. Three weeks later, he collapsed. It took seven people in the emergency room to keep him alive for, so that they could then keep him safe. And he's going to live the rest of his life with heart damage. Hmm. He's got aneurysms in his major, or in his major arteries. That kid has got problems. And it also, by the way, we now know when kids get that sick, it affects their brain. There's something called the splenium in the corpus callosum, which I'm sure everybody knows about, right? Yeah, we're all up on that. We're all right up on that. But what happens when it gets damaged and it gets damaged in adults, and now we know in children, hmm. have this serious effect. What it does is affects motor coordination, mental acuity, and a number of other serious mental issues. Yeah. And it, we don't know yet how, whether it's gonna resolve. Maybe it will, and maybe it won't. Well, it's still early in this journey, it's right? It's still early, and this yeah. is even for the adults. Right. We don't know, but we yeah. know there was one hospital where they measured it in four out of their four children that were so sick. This is not something to fool around with. You don't take that risk with your kid.
Well, that's the, so that's the statement. A lot of people are saying it. In fact, you had the uh, what the governor of uh, Missouri say something like, oh, kids will just get it and they'll have the sniffles and they'll get over it. Uh, and yet there are many stories of kids that had a lot more than that. And then number two, uh, there where- are kids in the L.A. district that are, you know, and one died. Yeah. Uh, that have this. So it does happen. And you can't predict at this point which kid is going to happen to. Right. And then, and then how might, uh, if, if a child were to get it, how might they spread it within their local community and right. to, to their teachers and their adults? And so that takes up the next thing and is then, the... And then, then there's the question of the teenagers. Right. That teenagers, but, you know, as we, we've talked about, there are like young adults, 15, 16, 17-year-old people. They get sick like 25, 30, and 40-year-olds. And if you're looking at who's in the hospitals today, who's filling up all these hospitals, it's not the people who were doing it up in New York. It's much, much younger people. That's, yeah, well, I'm in Florida. That's what we've seen happen down here. So that's right. uh, no and question so about that. Yeah, teenagers can get just as sick as a 30-year-old. Right, right. Um, you said team sports, not a good idea. That's right. Not a good idea. A terrible idea, actually, because team sports, you're pumping, your lungs are pumping. As, you know, if you're, if you're doing anything in sports, you're exercising your body and you're breathing out hard and anything that's in your lungs is going to come out. And you're usually team sports are close contact. You know, people say basketball is not a contact sport. Not the way I played it, right? Touch football, that's not a contact sport. That's not the way I played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soccer, you know, you're running and bumping and, you know, you watch these guys collide. No, mm-hmm. it's not a good. And then you're in the locker rooms with these people. It's not, it is not all you have to think about. Imagine that one of those people on the team is infected. What's going to happen to the others? Well, it could spread. You your right, right. What would your advice be to a parent who listens to this and, and understands and agrees with you and yet goes logistically, I, I've got to send my kid to school. Like I, it's just got to happen. What advice would you give to make sure that the risk is low? I know that it's increased because they've made the decision. Yeah. What would you, what advice would you give to that parent who goes, I really just don't have a choice. We're going to have to send our kids to school. I would, first of all, if there's a high infection rate, like there is where you are right now, I would do everything in my power not to do that. Everything possible not to do it. Uh, If you have to do it, then the only thing you can do is work continually with your kid to make sure that the child is aware and that they've got to keep their masks on, that they can't get close to other people, that they've got to wash their hands. Uh, And what is that gonna do to the kid? I remember how worried I was. Imagine every day your parent is telling you these things. What is that going to do to that kid's mind? It's, it's, it's a, you know, the, the, there are some situations in life where there are no good choices. They just aren't. Right. And this happens to be, right. I think, this is where you're them. living right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where we're living in New York, it's a little bit different now. Uh, and um, I'm thinking right now about the grandkids going back to school in New York. Yeah. They go to a private school. Uh, God knows their parents pay a bloody fortune <laughs> to send them to that school. But that fortune is actually buying them some safety. How much? Yeah. Who can say? Yeah. But it's buying them some safety. But 
they have a beautiful school plant. That isn't true for most of the kids. You know, there, there are good schools for sure. And then there are really lousy schools and old rotten buildings. Yeah. You well, know? so th- that leads to my oh. kind of my last question, which is, would you send your, if your kids said, hey, should we send the grandkids to school? What would your answer be right now? No, I'll take care of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be happy to educate these kids as much as I can. Send yeah. them over and I'll spend the hours with them. And I'm then, gonna, and you yeah. want to watch for cases to go down. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and, in New York, as I say, New York, the cases are going down. Um, and uh, we're very fortunate in New York City, at least some parts of New York City, uh, that that's the case. But, you know, it, it, it's, you have to realize you're in a bigger catchment area. How are the kids going to get from home to school? Who are the people who are actually in that school and where they're from? And the school, you have to have a very frank conversation with the school. Let me know where the people are. Because, you know, if you look at New York City, there's some places that are very, very low infection rates. And other places, even today, where the infection rate is not low. And those are generally the marginalized populations. Mm -hmm. That's where the infection rates are high. Because those people have had to come to work. Not that they're more infectable. They have to come to work. So they're more exposed. Yeah. And uh, you have to know where everybody around is. So awareness is something that, you know, we were living in a time where we were blessed not having to be aware of these kinds of issues. They were always there. They just didn't make a, a big difference to us. Now they do. Yeah. Well, you've added some value to us. Like I said, we're having this conversation uh, so that parents can kind of make a decision about what's right. So I appreciate you helping them, Dr. Hazeltine. It's the, the book is a family guide to COVID. And by the way, you're posting stuff on your Twitter all the time as well. Uh, yes. WM Hazeltine is your handle there on Twitter. So you're always posting stuff there. Any final things you want to say before we wrap up? Well, yeah, I would say our future is our children. And at my age, our grandchildren. And it's a really precious future. And I hope that every parent, I know that every parent is going to make the best decision that they can make. And I wish them all the very, very best luck. Great. Dr. Hazeltine, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you for the opportunity. Three, two, one. All right. So there's a perspective. Dr. Hazeltine says no. He says, don't send them. Um, and there's, he gave you the reasons why. You've got to make decisions. Now, he, and he said, don't send them based on the situations in your local community. What's going on where you are? What's, how many cases are there? What's the school doing? And he gave us some things. So, so here's the part that I'd like us to think about is uh, if you're sending your kids back, do you know the school's plan for certain things? What are they doing to protect teachers? What are they doing to make sure that the environment is clean? Are, are masks required? Are they doing temperature checks? How are they handling times like recess for younger kids, lunchtime, passing from one class to another in the hallway, any of those extra, extracurriculars? What are they doing? And, uh, and do that research and, and, and see what you're comfortable with. That's, that's really what you've got to do. He also talked about team sports saying absolutely not a good idea. So that's one perspective. Now, my intention is to do another episode with someone who believes it is okay to send our kids back to school. They'll probably give some precautions and things. And, and a lot of the people on that side of the argument say look for their, their, their emotional connection, their, their sociability, their mental health. we got to get them back in the class. And I totally see that. I've got, 
an eight-year-old, soon-to-be third grader. She's an only child. And the last few months have been really hard. The last part of school last year was really tough. So I totally get it. And so we've reached out to the American Academy of Pediatrics, and we haven't heard back from them yet. They're the ones who said that we've got to send them back, and, and here's why. And we've reached out to several other organizations, even had conversations with some about being on the show, and, and yet nobody's willing to come on at this point. So we're going to keep going, and if you know somebody we should talk to about this, let's get them on, because I think it's important we look at both sides of this. And then I, I think it is a deeply personal family issue, and there's lots of stuff at play. You know, do you have access to internet and computers? Are, are, are you as a family able to be home to help? Um, there, there's so much stuff to look at, and, and I'm not in judgment. You know, I talked to a parent just last week, and they said, James, I hope you'll do episodes on this, and I said, I'm working on it. And she was scared. She says, you know, I've got a little one. They're looking at kindergarten age. I got a little one, and I just don't know what to do. And I said, well, you'll make the right decision for your family. I do believe this, and, and this is just my opinion. I'm not an education expert. I'm not a medical expert. I'm not a health expert. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I, I'm none of those things. I'm just a dad. And yet I do believe that, you know what? If, you're, if your worry is that your kids are going to get behind if they aren't in school, I'd throw it out the window. I think they'll be fine, especially if they're young. We'll figure it out. So don't push them back in. This is just my opinion. It's just me talking. Don't push them back in just because you're worried they're going to be behind. In fact, we've done episodes on this. Go back and listen to some of them that we did in the fall. Your kids are home now. Now what is one of them? We've done several episodes on this. Go back and look. And every educator I talked to said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that part. They can get caught up. I also think our kids are resilient. I've heard lots of people say, there's no way my kid's going to wear a mask. I think that's hooey. I really do. Naomi wears a mask, no problem. It is what it is. They're, they're more resilient than we think. So there's lots of stuff to look at. Anywho, I trust that we added value to you today. We're going to continue this conversation again just to help you make good decisions. If you did get some value out of it, would you share it with somebody who you think might like to hear it as well or maybe post it on your social media? In fact, we'd love to connect with you on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search at Positively Dad. And, uh, and then if you'd like to be on the show or know somebody who'd be a great guest, especially about this, I'd love to connect with them. Just send me an email. My uh, email address is james at positivelydad.com. And if you have a chance, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. You know, we took a little bit of break over the summer. We're happy to be back with this episode, and we'd love to, to spread this Positively Dead message around. I want to thank you for taking time out today to listen. It's a challenging time. Lots of things to think about right now. I hope this helped you. Thanks for listening to Positively Dead. I'm James Shaw. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.